Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah. Alhamdulillah, we were we did discuss a bit about Al Andalus because Muslims first took Islam there. Islam was quite strong in in, in Al Andalus. We mentioned how the Muslims' presence there actually also helped all communities, the local Christians, the lo- local Jewish community, found uh, opportunities of amnesty and integrity under Muslims because the previous regimes who were Christian had oppressed everyone and ill-treated everyone. So Muslims' presence in lands of the world was a means of mercy for humanity. And Islam remained in Spain for about 800 years until the year 896 Hijri. Now to understand the Gregorian calendar, add another 600 years, then we would get an approximate uh, understanding. We would get the dates approximately. That was the time where, towards the end, Islam and Muslims had become weak in Spain. At first, the Umayyads ruled. Umayyads. The Banu Umayyah. Now, Banu Umayyah are the family of Hazrat Muawiyah, and then Marwan bin Hakam. They ruled the Muslim world from the years 41 Hijri till 132 Hijri. And Allahu Akbar, they took Islam far and wide. They were known as the people of the white turban, Ashabul Ama'im al Far and wide, they took Allah Ta'ala's deen. We, we, we always hear about Hazrat Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. He was from the Banu Umayyah. And interestingly, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz also passed away in Rajab. He became the Khalifa of the Muslim world in the year 99 Hijri. And something astonishing about him, he uh, he didn't want to be the Khalifa when he was chosen. But his cousin, Suleiman bin Abdul Malik. Now, Suleiman was also another special person. Suleiman, what was very uh, good for him was his close relationship with ulama. And this is a lesson of life. When we keep in good company and we keep close to ulama, respected ummah, whatever our faculties may be, always make mashura with ulama. We find the Ottoman Empire also. Their means of prosperity was that they always made mashura with ulama. Suleiman ibn Abdul Malik, one of the greatest Ottoman khalifas, who ruled for 48 years. When he passes away, his wasiyah was the, the certain box has to be buried with him. So the mufti of the lands was Abu Saud al-Afandi, who objected and said that this cannot be buried with the Khalifa. And when he took the box and opened it, this great scholar cried profusely. What was contained in there? It was the fatawa, the questions he had posed to the mufti, and the responses that came from the ulama, that how he should carry out certain things in rule and in life. That the scholar then said, You rescued yourself. What would our state be if we were mistaken and erred regarding our fatawa? So how blessed it is to keep closeness to righteous people. That's why even Uthman, the son of Urtughrul, rahimahullah, advised his children who were rulers after him. First they were Salatin, great Ottoman rulers, who took Islam into Europe. That's why we'll find European writings always have a negative connotation when they speak of the Ottomans. It's all due to jealousy. Because the Ottomans liberated the Europeans. But they don't 
confess to that because they very hard up and upset that why did they come into Europe? They actually came into Europe. One is to take Islam, the other is to liberate the people. That's why even after World War One, when the British promised the Arabs that we'll give you your Khilafah, but as the Abbasid Khilafah was, meaning they were wiping out, they were not considering Europe because that was where the Ottomans took Islam into. They were too, uh, you know, hot so for that. They were burning for that. Back to this, so Suleiman said to his offspring, make sure you love ulama. وَاتَّخِذْ مِنْ مَشُورَةِ عُلَمَاءِ الدِّينِ مَوْئِلَى Make your mashura with ulama, and that should be your resort and protection. And then he would say, take the people of deen as your company, hmm. and fund deen. And remember, our purpose in life is that deen must reach the four corners of the world. This is what an Ottoman ruler advises his progeny. Subhanallah. Allah give us tawfiq. At least in our small scale, advise everyone we can. Our children, our progenies, our offspring, our neighbors, humanity, the Muslim community, humanity in totality, that this is our purpose and goal. Back to this. What was the protection of Suleiman bin Abdul Malik? So one was Suleiman al-Qanuni I was telling you about in the Ottoman rule, right? I'm coming back to Suleiman, uh, Suleiman bin Abdul Malik because he was the cousin of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. And I just mentioned to you that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahmatullahi, passed away 101 Rajab. Mm. So before he became the Khalifa, respected Ummah, Suleiman bin Abdul Malik asked Raja bin Haywa. Raja was a great scholar of, of deen, a great scholar. He's even a scholar of hadith. But what was amazing about Raja was he used to advise the rulers not wanting anything from them. So Suleiman asked him, what do you feel? Who should be the next ruler? What do you think about my son, this son, that son? Raja gave him advice. He says, what becomes the salvation of a ruler is when he chooses a righteous man to rule after him. That is his salvation in his grave. These words of advice touched Suleiman bin Abdul Malik. Respected Ummah, Sometimes you can inspire somebody. And I'm going to mention to you another great person who you know of, but who also we learn about in this month, but uh, how some advice touched him. I'll mention him just now. Let me leave it for a while. So Suleiman was touched by this advice. And I asked him, who do you feel? So the alim said, you say, and I'll, you know, see what you say. And I'll, I could agree on what you said. Finally, when Suleiman said, what do you think about Umar? Allahu Akbar. Raja was waiting for that name to come out of the lips of Suleiman. He said, where you'll find better than Umar? A man who's sincere, externally, internally, is like the same. He only wants Allah's deen. He's not affected by anything else. And he loves to serve. And also, he does not want the position of Khilafah. There were others who would come to make sure that Suleiman must choose them. But Umar was close to Suleiman bin Abdul Malik. They would make Hajj together and they were cousins. And Suleiman's sister was wedded to Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Her name was Fatima binti Abdul Malik. So Umar was worried. His cousin Suleiman must not appoint him for any position of governorship or position. And here, the Khalifa is dictating to Raja bin Haywa, the great scholar, the name of Umar as the next Khalifa. And now it's put into the scroll 
and it's and it's sealed, and now Suleiman is now breathing his last. Anyway, cutting a long story short, finally when Suleiman did just before he passed on, Raja came out, met all the Banu Umayyah and the family and the people, and said to them that, "Are you all ready to accept who the Khalifa has appointed?" And they all agreed. Now remember something else interesting about Suleiman. He didn't pass away at home. He passed away in battle in the path of Allah. His vision was, Ya Allah, what a great ni'mah it will be if you choose me to take Islam into the center of Christendom, Constantinople. Because Rasulullah said that this city will be conquered by my ummah. How wonderful is that Amir, فَلَنِعْمَلْ Amiru Amiruha. So Suleiman heard from ulama that the one bearing the name of a Nabi alayhim salam would take Islam into the city and conquer the city. So he wanted Allah to choose him for it. So he was out in Allah's way. And the commander of the army was his brother Maslama bin Abdul Malik. So imagine these great people. Their objective and their purpose in life was deen must reach far and wide. Anyway, he passed on, and the next khalif was Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz. When the announcement was made in the Jamia Masjid, and everyone was present, everyone was rejoicing, but Hazrat Umar collapsed. What a musibah has befallen me. What a daunting, mammoth task. Just to explain to you, how is he a relative of Suleiman? Suleiman's father is Abdul Malik. Umar's father is Abdul Aziz. Those two, Abdul Aziz and Abdul Malik, are brothers. Right? Marwan is their father. Something else interesting about Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Let's rewind to the time of Hazrat Umar bin Khattab. Hazrat Umar, subhanallah, not long ago Allah gave me to feed to meet a politician. So I offered him coffee and then I, my motive was to give him da'wah to Islam. So I told him about the miracles of the Qur'an, and I told him about the life of Hazrat Umar bin Khattab radiallahu What a man he was, what a leader he was, his justice, his equality. And I mentioned the night patrols of Hazrat Umar. Everybody else is sleeping, Hazrat Umar is patrolling, overseeing the people, seeing the amnesty, seeing the security. Is there a caravan who had stopped outside Medina, Munawara, because it's late, so they would spend the night there. Hazrat Umar would go with one Saki, sometimes Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Auf, sometimes someone else, sometimes Aslam. And they would guard and patrol, do security check. Hazrat Umar used to do security as the Khalifa. Wah, 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 wah. Anyway, one night Hazrat Umar is patrolling late at night. After a long walk, he reaches a vicinity and he reclines on the walls just to rest his back. And he overhears a conversation between a mother and a daughter. The mother says to the daughter, the mother says to the daughter, my child, add water to the milk because we need more. You know, from, for example, 10 liters, if you add some water, it will become 14, 15 liters. And who would know? But the daughter says, but oh, respected mother, oh, my mother, did you not hear the announcement in the bazaar by the announcer of Hazrat Omar that for sale, for selling, you cannot add water to the milk. But obviously, for drinking and for home usage, if you added water, you're not deceiving anybody. It's just for everybody else to have. Did you not hear the, the, the announcer saying this? The mother says, but where's Umar? And where's this announcer you're talking about? They won't know, man. Just do what I'm telling you. 
subhanallah, the response of this young girl was, oh my mother, yes, they can't hear us, but Allah is seeing us, Allah is listening to us. Wah, 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 wah. Hazrat Umar heard this conversation of taqwa and Allah consciousness. He tried to remember the house. He then goes. The next day, he makes inquiries. He finds out that the elderly lady was a widow. And the daughter was her child that had grown of marital age. And she obviously, she grew up as an orphan. So Hazrat Umar then asked his sons, who of you wants to get married? Asim says, I, you know, I'm looking for a wife. So he takes his son and he follows the subhanAllah, the Islamic procedure where they uh, see each other and talk to each other and they propose and Alhamdulillah, the proposal was accepted. SubhanAllah. And where it came from, Hazrat Umar's qurbani and sacrifice. From that union of Hazrat Umar's son and Alhamdulillah, that taqwa dar, iman dar, lady, tabi'iyah, from there comes a union, a, cha- a daughter by the name of Layla. And this Layla, later on, got married to Abdul Aziz. And from the union between Abdul Aziz and Layla comes this fruit, Umar bin Abdul Aziz. So Hazrat Umar on his mother's side is from the family of Hazrat Umar bin Khattab, that's why many ulama at that time, and this was a vision scene that Allah would bring about from the offspring of Hazrat Umar, somebody who'd establish deen again. So alhamdulillah, ulama say the fulfillment of this was Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahmatullah alayhi. That was something interesting that happened there. So that's how Umar ibn Abdul Aziz became the Khalifa, and then he ruled up to 101. But he was such an amazing person that even when he was poisoned, he forgave the person who poisoned him. He says, I know you paid for this, and they're going to kill you. Don't ever do this again. Give that money back to the Baytul Mal and go. You know, he was such an amazing person. The letters he wrote to the ulama, and the ulama he sent to the countries of the world to teach Allah's deen, and to enhance the Muslims' iman, and to protect the aqidah of the Muslims. It's such amazing, pertinent incidents in the life of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahmatullah alayhi. Anyway, in the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, there was one town uh, in Samarkand, this vicinity, where the non-Muslims came up with an objection. And what was the objection was that the Muslims entered that area and they were not given the da'wah and they weren't given the proper Islamic, the Muslims didn't follow the proper Islamic procedure before conquering that city. So the the community then objected to the party and actually they went directly to the Khalifa in Damascus, Damascus. He welcomed them. They were non-Muslims. He heard them out and then he sent them with a note that speak to the governor to gather the great mufti of the lands, An-Naji, that was part of his name, and he must hear the entire case. And if they are right, then the Muslims have to leave that town. The case was heard. And it was true that Qutayba bin Muslim Bahili did not give da'wah before conquering that city. That the people now the Muslims were told to leave that city. So everyone started selling their goods, their properties, and leaving. And when the non-Muslims realized, you know, we didn't expect us to win this case. We went to the Muslim Khalifa against the Muslims, and he passed decision against his own people. Look at the justice of Islam. Those non-Muslims were so inspired. They went back to the Qadi and the judge, and went to the Muslims to say, 
You know, we didn't expect things came out of our hands. Things got out of hand. Please, don't leave. If you all won't rule this area, if you all rule with justice, others would come, the Romans would come, the Greek, the Persians, and they all would ill-treat us. We didn't expect it to happen like this. We were taking advantage. Forgive us. We want you all to stay. We've never seen or experienced people as just as you Muslims in our entire life and experience. So this was the justice of the lands of Islam, and these are some of the qualities of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz Rahmatullahi. And I want to mention to you another great person who also passed on in the last uh, Jumu'ah, so the Thursday evening of Rajab, in the year 204. That was, and that's December 819. This was the great scholar, Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i, Rahimahullah. He passed away in Egypt, buried in Qahira, Cairo, his grave is quite known. Somebody who goes to Egypt should go. Alhamdulillah. This was subhanallah. What a great scholar. What a great uh, faqih. And subhanallah, he was a scholar of all sciences and fields. From his childhood, he was, uh, he was an orphan child. He comes from the offspring, subhanallah, from the family of Rasulullah He is Muhammad ibn Idris bin Abbas bin Uthman bin Shafi' bin Sa'ib. The Shafi' bin Sa'ib was a Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Anyway, the offspring reaches Muttalib. Now we all know Muttalib. Muttalib was the brother of Hashim. Hashim is the great-grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu Abdul Muttalib is Hashim's son. And Muttalib is Hashim's brother. Imam al-Shafi'i comes from the offspring of Muttalib. I want to tell you one interesting story of another great Sahabi who comes from the same offspring. His name was Rukana. Remember him. He uh, was a powerful wrestler. The most powerful wrestler in Arabia. He was never dropped to the ground ever in his life. And the report is in Musnadul Imam Ahmad. Imagine our beloved وسلم, went to this gigantic, powerful wrestler to give him da'wah, to invite him to Islam, to invite him to Allah. This is what I implore you, respected Ummah. Give everyone da'wah. Don't feel shy. Give the message. Invite. Tell people about the beauty of Islam. Tell people about Palestine. Talk to people. Use the little ability you have, even if you talk to one. Start. Try. And then, where you're stuck, you ask ulama. But you will realize that little that you know, humanity is in need of that also. Simple things like why we eat with the right. Why we, you know, make the practices, the beautiful practices and the sunan of Janabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam known to the world. Explain to them the beauty of adhan, the beauty of shahada, la ilaha illallah, and so forth and so forth. And you'll be amazed to see the reaction of people. Our beloved went to give da'wah to Rukana. Imagine Rukana's reaction. He says, what? Oh, Muhammad, how many times are you going to tell me this? I told you I'm not interested. The day you're ready to wrestle me and take me on, I'll consider. And I'll give you, I'll give you my, my flock, 100 sheep and so forth. You know, he made this deal. Nabi Sallallahu said, but leave the, the sheep. Would you be, be consider embracing Islam? So Rukana thought it would be an opportunity for him to get his friends to laugh at Nabi Sallallahu So he agreed. He thought, where would Muhammad Sallallahu ever put him down? He was never put down 
to the ground. He was never grounded in a wrestle match ever by anyone, irrespective of who. And subhanAllah, when he wrestled Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam put him to the ground. The greatest of Allah's creation, the kindest of Allah's creation, the purest of Allah's creation, the most beautiful of Allah's creation, the most perfect of Allah's creation, the most humble of Allah's creation, and the strongest of Allah's creation. But he never flex his muscles or show, you know, uh, haughtiness to anyone. But what makes Allah's Nabi wrestle with a wrestler? This is the level of his pain to save one one person from Jahannam and take them to Jannah. I was just returning from an area, Allah's father, we went to, uh, to Turkey and then from Darul Ulum and then we returned and at the Dubai airport whilst waiting. So one of my satis wanted uh, some tea. So I said, okay, I'll get a coffee. And I went to the canteen there at, at the airport and I'm asking the person making the coffee, okay, I know my friend likes the, this specific tea. So I said, okay, five roses tea and uh, a cappuccino. So this lady doesn't know what's uh, five roses tea. Then I realized, oh, she won't know me. That's a South African tea. And there's an elderly lady behind me who's laughing. So I said, okay, no, definitely you from South Africa. So, so I said, okay. I was with my friend. I wasn't alone. So I just said, okay, one cappuccino for this elderly lady as well. So I just paid for the cappuccino. And then this lady wanted to buy something else for herself. And then she said, I, I'm, I'm having this... Uh, as I was putting my sugar and whatever, she, she's telling the lady there, but she was very appreciative that we paid for her coffee. And she's saying that, you know, I never get a chance to eat on the flight. And you know why? So that lady is asking, but why? So she's saying, because I was so busy taking testimonies, meaning five people became Christian, I even forgot to eat. So in my heart, my heart is paining, Ya Allah. She got falsehood, and she's tirelessly spreading her falsehood. Mm. And we Muslims have haq. And we rather sit and relax and do everything else. Ya Allah, Ya Allah. Where is our sense of responsibility to talk to one one person about Jannat and Jahannam, about the oneness of Allah, about the greatness of Allah, about the beauty in Islam? When are we going to do that? Anyway, I said, I have to wait um, a minute. As she finished, I said to her, she was quite elderly. I said to her, ma'am, I must just tell you about Jesus in the Quran, because we also believe in when I gave her a little crux of that and I shared some literature with her. And then after that, we left to make dua for her. But my point is how people are ready to start falsehood. And you and I, who are the ummah of the greatest Nabi of Allah, our Nabi wasallam had restlessness for humanity in totality. Hazrat Isa salam came for the Bani Israel, for, for the lost sheep of the children of Israel. Muhammad wasallam came for humanity in totality. And you and I can still justify our slumber? That how many of them we meet and we can't even tell them? Is it a sh are, we, are we not ashamed? For anything else, we prepare to, to tell the people. Here to tell them about Islam, we shy? Anyway, in this, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa grounded Rukana just to save him from Jahannam. Rukana couldn't believe it. He jumped up, charged towards the Nabi of Allah, the beloved of Allah, put him to the ground again. And then he was shocked. But alhamdulillah, this incident, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, leave your flock now and you to be Muslim. Anyway, that incident later on became the means of his, his hidayah and his son's hidayah. That's why alhamdulillah, Hazrat, Rukana becomes Hazrat Rukana radiallahu anhu. And interestingly, he narrates the ahadith of the imamah 
of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Hazrat Imam Shafi'i rahmatullah comes from the same offspring. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullah lost his father and he moved with his mother to Makkah Mukarramah and there he met ulama and he met people of deen. One of his great teachers there was Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zanji and Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zanji rahimahullah was a uh, was an African scholar. But he was in Makkah Mukarramah from his young age he was advised to go and learn. He loved law, the Arabic law. So he went to an Arab tribe, the Hudaliyin, and he learned, he, he learned, you know, but this would have been thereafter. Ten years he spent in the company mastering, mastering the Arabic language. But before that, while he was very tender, he memorized the Quran and he memorized the Muwatta of Imam Malik, rahimahullah. Hmm. So while he was very young, he, uh, he received advice. And someone advised him, that uh, why don't you learn fiqh? Hmm? That you know, uh, you know your lugha, you know fasaha, your balagha is so hmm. immaculate. But what about Allah takunu fil ilmi wal fiqh? You know, ilm and fiqh. So he said, but who can I go to? So this, this individual advised him that go to Malik ibn Anas. He's such a great scholar. He's in Medina Manura. You're here in Makkah Mukarramah. So Imam Shafi'i, the young man, says, these words touched my heart. And I went to him, Imam Malik. Anyway, he says, when I, I actually looked for the Muwatta, first I borrowed it, and then I went to the governor of Makkah. And I asked him, because I had some, we had some family ties with him, that could you request Imam Malik to accept mm-hmm. me as a student? Because Imam Malik had a lot of awe and rob. Cutting a long story short, Alhamdulillah, he undertook the journey. He went to meet Imam Malik, and he studied the hadith under Imam Malik. But Imam Shafi'i was young, so one day as he was sitting in the bed, he, he couldn't afford writing material. So uh, with some saliva on his arm, he made some signs. So anyway, afterwards the Ustad asked him that this is not the place to play. This is Darsul Hadith. You want to play, you go outside. He said, I wasn't playing. He said, but what were you doing? I narrated 40 hadith in this, in this lesson. Could you remember any of it? So he sat up and with all due respect, before his Ustad and Shaykh Imam Malik Rahimahullah, Hazrat Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i narrated all 40 hadith from memory in the sequence of his Ustad, trying to quote it in the, in the awe and the dialect of his Ustad and in, and in the presentation like his Ustad, imitating his Ustad. His Ustad was shocked and gave him so much of du'as. So this was Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i Ta'ala. He was such an amazing man. Subhanallah. This one interesting incident that when towards the end of his life he went to Egypt. His salient student was Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. So he was the student of Imam Malik, Rahimahullah. And his student was Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. And Subhanallah. And his other ustad was the other student of Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahimahullah, Muhammad ibn al Hassan al Shaybani, Rahimahullah. But anyway, one anecdote he was with his mother in Egypt. So two people tried to take advantage of his mother. They brought something for his mother to keep for them. And they said that when you, you can only give it to us, it's a very valuable item, you only give it to us when both of us are together. So sometime later, one of them came claiming that, hey, my friend died and, uh, you know, you have to give me the item. So she felt so bad, his friend passed away, this, that, this, that, she gave it to him. A few days later, the other friend pitches up. 
Oh, now the mother was caught in a catch-22. Allah's fadl, Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi was not far from there. So he heard this. So anyway, he came there. And he said, yes, yes, the condition was... The condition was that you must give it to you and both of you are together. Bring your other friend and then we'll give it to you. So subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, this is how Wuti Imam Shafi'i and Imam and his mother, Rahimahumallah, were special, intelligent for Allah and they dedicated their lives for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He passed away on a Friday, Thursday night in Rajab 204. Allah accept us all for his deen. Allah give us to be to strive for his sake. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah.